Welcome to Eat This Scroll, a University Fellowship Church podcast. My name is Chris Moore, and we get together twice a week to chew on God's Word and share that with you. And this episode, we didn't do twice a week. We did twice in one sitting. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, This week, we've got Sean Duncan with us. Hello, Sean. I am back. You're back. And I'm still here. (laughs) From the first time we tried to record this. So, dear listener, here's what's going on. Uh, Chris and I just sat in his office for 17 minutes, and we talked through the profound mysteries of a text in 2 Timothy. And then Chris looks at me and he says, oh, no. (laughs) Turns out it had not been recording. And then, so, he said, what do you want to do? You want to do that all again? I said, absolutely not. So, everything that I had just said is gone. It's gone. You don't know any of the background, mm-hmm. any of the context. Um, guess what? This is going to be your first time hearing this too. Chris's first time <laughs> hearing this. I'm not repeating myself. We're we're starting from a different spot and we're gone. But let's, let me ca- catch us up to speed. So uh, we're going to go through, uh, well, I'm going to go with through 2 Timothy with Chris because that's what we're going through in the college ministry this mm-hmm. summer. And we're just going to move through this book. Um, every now and then we'll get nerdy, but I really want us to just be I'm overwhelmed by how good God is to us yeah. and, and then take the charge that was also given to Timothy as our own charge. Uh, I'll read the text and then we'll dive in. Okay. Okay. This is second Timothy chapter one, verses eight through 14. Therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God who saved us and called us to a holy calling not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, for which I was appointed a preacher and apostle and teacher, which is why I suffer. Is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. Follow the pattern of the sound words that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus by the Holy Spirit who dwells within us. Guard the good deposit entrusted to you. So Timothy is a young pastor. Um, He's probably like late 20s, as far up as maybe late 30s. Um, Paul will encourage him in some spots. He'll say, don't let people look down on you because of your youth. Um, so he's not like, he's not elder age in a, in the sense of not the office of elder, but more the societal idea of an elder, mm-hmm. which kind of varies um, through, from tradition to tradition. Um, but what's going on? This is Paul's last letter to Timothy and his last letter that he writes before he's, um, before he's put to death. He's, he's beheaded in Rome. He's writing this letter, uh, trying to encourage Timothy to continue to guard the gospel and continue in his ministry as an elder pastor in Ephesus. And at this point, Paul's been arrested. He's been beat up. People have abandoned him. Um, so it's almost like the letter starts off trying to to stir up Timothy to almost tell him, like, it's not as bad as you think. So last time I was with you, he's like, grace I have. Like, we have so much grace. It is not as bad as you think. Mm-hmm. And you have a spirit of power and love and of self-control. Like, it's not as bad as you think, Timothy. Don't worry. And also, don't be ashamed of me and and because I'm not ashamed. But instead, and then he's going to give some, some commands to Timothy, some applications for him. 
Um, we might look at the text and, you know, you hear the word ashamed twice in it and be like, oh, the point of the text is like, don't be ashamed of the gospel or don't be ashamed of, of your fellow Christians or something like that. Um, that's actually not the, the, like the driving point. Cause that's actually like a side point. Um, when you follow the applications of the text, it'll result in you not being ashamed, mm. but the point's not about whether or not you're ashamed of the gospel. We'll, we'll get there though. What I want to do is I want to start in the center of it and then pull out to the outside because the center is the why and then the outside is the what. So great. Why do what you should do? That's the center. And then what should you do? That's the outside. So he goes on this little digression when he's talking to Timothy, he's trying to encourage him in his ministry. And he just starts talking about God and, and, and really he's focused on these realities of the gospel. So he, he says, God verse at the end of verse eight, verse nine, God who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace. The first reality about, about this God is that, that God does not make or base his decisions off of our competency, off of our skill, off of what we've done, off of what we haven't done. Instead, he bases all of it off of who he is his own purpose, his own grace, which is his love for the unloved, for love for the undeserving. And because of that, because of God's love for us, not because of anything we've done, God has saved us. He's pulled us out of the destruction of our own hearts and lives. And he's put us in place for a, a huge responsibility and honor, which is a holy calling, a, a way to now live when he's called us out of death and now put us into life. He's given us living with this idea of the living, this holy calling that he's given us. Paul then goes on to say um, that he gave us this. He gave us this holy calling, this grace he gave us, uh, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. So before God created anything, he planned to save Sean. He planned to save Chris. He planned to save listener who is a follower of Jesus, he planned to save you. And all of that he planned to do in Christ. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it wasn't like he created and then everything started getting all crazy with this snake. <laughs> and he's like, oh no, I gotta do something. Uh, God was not panicked. He was not caught off guard by the fall of man. God, God knew in his infinite wisdom and in his purposing and in his planning, God saw fit to create humanity in such a way where it was possible to sin. And God knew in his, his foreknowledge that man would sin. And even in knowing that, God determined to create anyways, which means God um, ordained the fall. Mm -hmm. Because God knew it would happen and because God chose to create, he doesn't have to create anything. Mm -hmm. He only acts out of his pleasure. God allowed all of this to happen. And God chose not to leave us to the chaos and the mess that we created chose to reach in and to pull us out of it. And all of that he decided to do in the second person of the Trinity, God, the son. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. That is amazing that God had this all planned before him. Because you know what? If God didn't plan for this stuff and God, if God wasn't in control, what a scary world to live in. Mm -hmm. If this was just pure chaos, uncontrollable chaos, that would be more scary than having someone who's in control of all of this. But then, so but then Paul goes goes on. Not only um, did did uh, God give us this in Christ Jesus before the ages began, 
But now this, this grace, this holy calling has been made manifest through the appearing of our savior, Christ Jesus. So this calling is now visible because Jesus appeared. Yeah. 2000 years ago, God, the son took on human flesh and walked this earth. He lived among us, yet he never sinned. And then he died a death for sinners. That is amazing. Yeah. Then why did it? I have to close my phone real quick and reopen it because it froze. Oh no. And that's what I'm using for my Bible right now. <laughs> Please don't shame me community. Uh, but then he, he goes on to say, um, not only has it appeared now in our savior, Christ Jesus, but specifically about this Christ Jesus, that he or Christ Jesus who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. So he abolished death. It doesn't mean that Christ put an end to death, right? Because we, for the last 2000 years, lots of people have died. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so that's not what abolish death means. Though this word abolish means to, it means to like remove the potency, remove the power of something, make it ineffective. Mm-hmm. So although death is still a reality, it has no power. Death did not hold Jesus down. He rose victoriously and the same thing for all of his people. The power of the gospel is that it leaves death powerless. Mm-hmm. And who doesn't want that? I mean, modern medicine, is yeah. that not a pursuit of defeating death? Mm-hmm. We don't want to die. We want to live. The movie Frankenstein, right? To, to be able to resurrect someone from the dead. That's the, the whole idea. He, then he just creates a monster. Mm-hmm. That's not the intention though. The intention is to overcome death. Everyone wants it. No one has done it except for Jesus. So he's made death powerless. Cannot hold anyone down. And not only that, but he brought real life into into reality, um, life and immortality, the ability not just to live full qu- a quality of life, but to to live a quantity that never ends. Mm-hmm. Immortality. This this is like this isn't just that you live forever and like slowly get like decayed and you have to just like watch <laughs> your friends die. It's like your body doesn't break down. Mm-hmm. You don't get sick. You're healthy. That's amazing. Who does not want this? And all of this, Jesus was accomplishing through the de- his own death and resurrection. So for the apostle Paul, he's like, man, death is powerless. And then, and then he goes, so he's talking about this gospel, rea- these gospel realities. He says, um, for which I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher. In other words, someone who's proclaiming this message, he's, he's sent to establish this message in local churches, and he, he's explaining how it, it takes place. Which is why I suffer as I do. Of course, Paul's willing to suffer because worst case scenario, how does suffering end? You die. You die. And does death have any power over Paul? Nope. No. Why? Because of the gospel. Mm-hmm. Because of the gospel. Uh, the For the Christian, the most amount of suffering that you face in this life is the greatest amount of hell you'll ever experience. Mm-hmm. But for the non-believer, this earth now is the most amount of heaven they will ever experience. Mm-hmm. So I was not scared of death. He's like, bring it on. Yeah. He's like, he, he's like that wimp. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's why he says, which is why I'm able to suffer as I do, but I'm not ashamed. He's not ashamed of this because he knows that God is, is powerful when God seems weak. Mm-hmm. Just like when Jesus was dying, it seemed like he was losing, but he was winning. Yeah. So, so that's why Paul's not ashamed of being in prison because ev- being in prison, that kind of looks weak, but it's actually strength. Mm-hmm. So all of that is 
is the why for the what's that he gives. And he gives in this text, he gives three commands to Timothy. He says to him in verse eight, he says to share in suffering for the gospel, to share in suffering for the gospel. In verse 13, he says, follow the pattern of sound words that you've heard from me. And then in verse 14, he says, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. So suffer for the gospel. Not Don't just like suffer. That's not the command. Mm-hmm. It's suffer for the gospel. Be willing to suffer for the gospel. Um, the last one, guard the good deposit. Still about, that's about the, it's about being faithful to the doctrine of the gospel. Like not letting things slip mm-hmm. from it. And then that, that middle one, is to follow is to follow the pattern. And I want to start there and then go to the last two. So last week I had a, a fun little Greek phrase. Here's another fun little Greek phrase. So in verse 13, <coughs> let me just read it from my Greek Bible. <laughs> just kidding. Uh, so it's two words. It's hupo tu posen. That's the first one. Hupo tu posen, eke. Uh, eke is the command. Mm-hmm. And then Hupo to posen is is the subject of it. So, um, hupo to posen it has a preposition, but then the word is to post, hmm. which is what we get the word type from, or in theology the study of typology. Gotcha. Um, so a type in the Bible is is something that precedes another, and it's similar in in maybe shape or in role or in nature. So in Romans, Paul says that Adam was a type of the one to come. You know, Adam, the first man representative of all humans and his actions are applied then to all of us because Adam sinned, we are guilty. Mm -hmm. He was a type of Christ. Christ who represents all humanity if they are in him and his actions represent all people in Christ. So in Christ's obedience, it's as if all of us have obeyed. Right. So that's type, that's typology. Hupo to, to post in though, it has this little pre- preposition in hupo, which is like this, the preposition for under something. Hmm. Um, so the, the way we would like translate this woodenly is prototype. Hmm. Um, proto being first or, or, or the under type, the type that comes first is a foundation and the types come after that. And the verb, the command is is the eke from the word echo, which means to have or to hold or to possess. And remember last time, grace I have? Yeah. Okay, so now it's that same word for I have or like to possess something. And now he's telling Timothy that you need to have something or you need to hold on to something. And the thing that you need to hold on to is the prototype. Hmm. And he says the, pro, the prototype of the sound words. It's like, okay, uh, so some people think, okay, he's referring to himself which is you know reasonable he paul's gone gone through these sufferings right he at some points tells people to imitate him as he imitates christ to sh- he just said share in my sufferings mm-hmm. um but share but he's saying follow the pattern or or hold on to the prototype according to the sound words it means that i think that he's been explaining the prototype mm. and what did he just get done talking about to Scott done talking about Christ Jesus who abolished death. Mm-hmm. How did he do that? How did Christ do that? He suffered. Right. Jesus suffered to abolish death. So now he's saying, hold on to the pattern that you have. And we have the pattern, how to live this life. 
in two ways, the written word and the living word. Uh, in First Peter, Peter writes um, that Christ has left an example for us to follow. So Jesus's pattern of life, he um, loved unlovable people. He ate with tax collectors and sinners. He, even on the cross, he said, forgive them, Father, they know not what they do. Like, he was always for his enemy. He was loving his enemy when they were his enemy. That's who Christ was. And the way he did it was he suffered for them. Mm-hmm. And now Paul's encouraging Timothy, hold on to the prototype or follow the pattern, follow the blueprint for how to do this. Um, so that's that middle command. And I, I think that gives color to the other command. He, he's just saying the same thing three times, just with different facets, right? Yeah. Share in suffering for the gospel. Mm-hmm. In other words, you're either going to be willing to suffer for the gospel or you're going to sacrifice the gospel. Mm-hmm. Those are the only two options. And, you know, we might not like suffer the way Paul did, which, you know, he got stoned a handful of times, not with marijuana, <laughs> with rocks. <laughs> you know, one time they stoned him and they literally thought he was dead. They're like, we just killed Paul. They go back into town. He shows up the next day. They're like, he rose from the grave. What the heck? He's like, no, no, no. I was totally fine. It's Book of Acts. Um, gets shipwrecked people people lash him mm-hmm. really rough things and then he gets beheaded mm-hmm. maybe we will suffer like that for the gospel mm-hmm. maybe not other ways though paul suffered for the gospel is he was slandered by strangers like people he had never met just like make things up about paul they're like he's really bold in his writing but he's a total pansy in person and you're like what the heck I got, <laughs> yeah <laughs> i've never even met this person they're calling me a pansy like what what's going on um oh or his friends abandoned his Supposed friends abandon him in the ministry. They just mm-hmm. leave him by the wayside. Uh, when things get tough for Paul, they dip. Well, we might suffer like that for the gospel. Yeah, and we must be willing either we must be willing to suffer for the gospel, or we will surrender the gospel. And, and the way we do that, and the reason why, is because we're holding on to a prototype, the the true way that God has abolished death and brought immortality and life into this world. Well, that's gonna be the same way that we do the same thing. And when we're suffering for the gospel, we what we are effectively doing as messengers is we're bringing the message of the abolishment of death and immortality in life. So, so we're partnering in the life of Christ when we do that. And then the last command that he gives in verse uh, 14 is to guard the good deposit, talking about the gospel, mm-hmm. which he just got done kind of walking through like some like core doctrinal statements about the gospel. And, and what's happening is people are abandoning Paul and then they're getting wishy-washy on doctrine. Mm. So both first and second Timothy, like it's all about guard yeah. doctrine because doctrine, fidelity, and clarity is what cultivates um, gospel culture. So in Matthew 16, Jesus is talking about how he's going to build his church and he's going to build his, his church on the testimony of who he is, mm-hmm. that he is, he is the Christ. He is the son of the living God. There are plenty of churches in town that are not built on that. Sure, there are gatherings of people. That's what the word church means, but they're not Christ's church. Mm-hmm. And he did not build that. He builds a church based off of who he is. So our doctrine is actually really important. Now there is triage. Like some doctrine is first and foremost important. Like you die over it, like yeah. Paul's willing to do. Other stuff though. Uh, is is not a die for issue. Maybe it's a, a debate over issue, or maybe it's even just a decide type of issue. So when it comes to the gospel, that doctrine you have to hold fast to, and that's what he's telling Timothy. 
how are we going to do this? Great question, Chris. Thank you for asking. <laughs> um, the warrior in me wants to say, yeah, let's fight. Let, let's fight for doctrine. Mm-hmm. Let's be ready to argue. You know, l- let's, let's buckle down and study and learn. You know, I need to be ready for this. Mm-hmm. That's the impulse. Mm-hmm. But this text is awesome because the application, these three applications, it's a Trinitarian application. Mm-hmm. So uh, let me just, just go back to them. And show you how it happened. Yeah. I need to open my Bible back up. Okay. Oh, Numbers 26. No, 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 no. <laughs> That Second, won't do. Timothy 1. Okay. So um, the, the, the first command that he gives is share in suffering for the gospel. How? By the power of God. Mm-hmm. The only way you're going to be able to share and actually suffer for the gospel is if you are empowered by God himself. You cannot do this on your own. You will crumble. Yeah. On your own, you will surrender the gospel every time. Mm-hmm. Every time. And every time you don't surrender the gospel, but you choose suffering instead, it's because the power of God is enabling you to do it. The mm-hmm. same power that rose Jesus from the grave is the same power that enables you to endure suffering. So there's the first one, uh, God. Of, often God is just used um, to refer to the Father also. The, the second command in verse 13, follow the pattern or, or hold on to the prototype of the sound words that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. So how, how do you hold on to the prototype? How, how do you follow the pattern? Well, you follow the pattern in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Mm-hmm. Okay, second person of the Trinity. Yeah. So, so it's actually a, a work that is done only in God the Son. Right. Only in the faith and love of Him. That doesn't sound like that's in in me and in my <laughs> strength and ability, Sean. No, it's in Christ's <laughs> strength and ability. So, uh, isn't it so cool that he he's saying Tim, Timothy and and now even though it's written to Timothy, it's written for us. You know, he's telling all of us hold on to the prototype. And the only way that you can hold on to the prototype is if you're in the prototype. Mm-hmm. So who's holding who? Right. You know? Yeah. Um, my daughter's nine months old now. It's so fun. She's getting, or she's not quite nine months, but she's getting really close to crawling. Um, but whenever I'm holding her in my arms, like she, like, she'll hold on to my shirt mm-hmm. or she kind of like reaches her arm over my shoulders. And it's like, she's holding on to me. She's not holding on. Like, <laughs> nope. She's holding on to me. Sure. But I am holding on to her. Mm-hmm. That's what's going on in verse 13 when he says, hold on to the prototype. Like the only way you hold on to the prototype is like, like a child holding on to mom or dad's shoulders when they're being held. Yeah. You're in the faith and love of Christ Jesus. And then the last application, which is guard the good deposit. He says, by the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. So the only way you're going to guard, be able to guard Doctrine to be to have doctrine fidelity and gospel clarity is by the Holy Spirit. Hmm. Rest easy, friends. Like it does not depend on you. And just like God saved us and God called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of His own purpose and grace. Same thing with guarding the good deposit. Same thing with holding on to the prototype. And same thing with suffering for the gospel. God will help you. God will make it possible. God equips those who he calls. It's not the other way around. What a beautiful text. Right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. 
God does not call us to a mission and then hope we accomplish it and just send us off on uh, send us off on our merry way with 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 distance. He's a a close and near father. Jesus says, "I am with you always to the end of the age." Mm-hmm. He is with us. He is for us. And everything he calls us to do, he will accomplish through us. Yeah. It's amazing. I love that. Yeah. I love that. And practically, I mean, you're touching on such grounded issues because we do treat and respond to God and the message of God as him saying, cool. So I got this job for you. I'm going to send you out there to do it and you got to figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But he's totally not doing that. So, um, the way I'd like, I'd pull out of this text and I'm just like, what are these things that we've been talking about? Like even in these applications is, is sometimes we think that the gospel is a doorway into Christianity and then once you are saved by the gospel, like you're in Christianity and then you start doing things. But the gospel is not just the doorway. It's the house. Yeah. It, you live in it. You're sanctified. You're, you're set apart in it. Um, God saved us, past tense, meaning we're justified. We're declared in right standing. And that happens by the power of the gospel. But God is also saving us. He's saving us from the power of sin in our life currently. So not just the penalty of sin, but the power of sin in our life. And the way he is slowly saving us in this lifetime or sanctifying us is the gospel. Mm-hmm. That Christ is in our place and that Christ died for us and that Christ rose for us and that when we are in him, his death is our death and his resurrection is our resurrection. And that now it is not I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Anytime I detach myself from that reality, that it is Christ who lives in me, I will I will always surrender to the gospel. I I will never be willing to suffer for it. I, I will not guard the good deposit. I, I will throw it by the wayside and I will not hold on to Christ because I've already stepped out of him. Mm-hmm. It is not I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Let that reality become your heartbeat and you will guard the good deposit and you will suffer for the gospel because there is no treasure more valuable than it because it abolishes death and brings life and immortality to light. And by doing so, uh, when it's Christ who lives in you, you're holding on to the prototype. Yeah. All in God's power. And it's holding on to you. Right. Yeah. Awesome. What a great message. Yeah. Thank you, Sean. And imagine all that stuff that we didn't get recorded. (laughs) Oh, man. It's, yeah, it's like a a Gnostic text out there somewhere in the ether of technology. (laughs) Um, Well, I have enjoyed these these jaunts through, not jaunts. Johns. Yeah. Yeah. Johns. A little deep dives here and there. Yeah. Doesn't feel too heady. Yeah. Um, so thank you for going through this list. I'm excited to see where this goes. You bet, man. Thanks for letting me regurgitate the word that I have stored up in my heart. <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, it's an encouragement to me. And hopefully, listener, it is an encouragement to you. And we will get you guys next time. All right. Catch you on the flippity flop. Bye. Well, thanks for listening. Thank you to our guests for coming and sharing what they've been chewing on in God's Word. We produce these podcasts and release them twice a week, so please subscribe so you don't miss out on one. And don't forget, love God, love your neighbor, and make disciples.